to be in your house, and we just want to recognize your presence and the fact that uh, you always want to speak to us. You speak to us in so many, many different ways, and so we pray that today, as we now engage in your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak to different ones in different ways, say whatever it is you want to say to all of us and to each one individually. And we will give you praise for that. Thank you that we can worship you. Thank you that you are our rock for all ages. You have been in the past before we were born. You are in the present for us. You will be in the future for many. So we bless you and honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, God is good. All the time. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. And I'm going to read from verse 23 and following. Just a few more verses and it says there in your worship guide. Jesus had been busy. He had been healing people, talking to people, communicating, preaching. And he was tired. And they were close to the lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee. And uh, they got in a boat. And that's where we want to start reading. And even though I just asked you to sit, I'm going to ask you to stand again in honor of God's word. Okay. Matthew 8, 23. Here's what it says. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him without warning A furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. I want to say that phrase again. We're going to drown, he said. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves. And it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. If you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. May God bless his word. You may be seated. You know, God did not create you so that you could be placed on the mantle of his living room and uh, admire you for eternity. That's not why God created you. He created you so that you could have an intimate, vital relationship with him every day of your life, including when you're sick and feel terrible or when you're healthy and feeling good. 
He wants to be by your side during the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. He wants you to know that he is able to meet every single need that you have and everything that you deem important because God is able. Yes, he is. He can do it for you. So let me ask you, what do you need today? What do you deem important at this time in your life? You know, what do you suppose the disciples needed that fateful evening in the lake of Gennesaret? What was important to them? You know, I've never been in a terrible storm at sea. I have been on a ship one time as we were going back to South America when my parents were missionaries and it, you know, just would go back and forth for three days and nights. We'd be in bed, we'd roll down this way and the next moment we're going that way and back and forth. And, you know, it was uncomfortable, but it wasn't a terrible storm. I was in a small boat one time and um, we weren't in a storm. However, the waves were sort of high. And when we were in the low part of those waves, you could look up and all you could see was water. And that didn't feel very good to me. But then when we get up on the top of the wave, you could see land. Then we'd go back down and then back up. And all I could think was, get me to land, you know. But uh, I've never really been in something too bad. Now, Dr. Greg Walker one of our physicians here at the, at the church, he went fishing one day with two of his friends. Their boat overturned. And for the next 23 hours, Dr. Walker was, I, I call it lost at sea. He was in the ocean. Obviously, when the family finally found out about this hours later, he, they, uh, they went into deep anxiety. And yet, that harrowing experience turned into a marvelous illustration of the power of God. He's here today. He's alive and well. You ought to talk to him and hear this incredible story of how uh, he was uh, in the ocean and all that God did during that period of time. But you know what? God met, God met his need. And certainly what he deemed important at that time in his life. You know why? Because God is able now, in this account here in Matthew chapter 8, some of these men were professional fishermen. They had been in the ocean many times, and the Bible says that a storm came up on the lake. There was no warning. Without warning, there was a furious storm. Now, you know, there were no gray clouds out that they could see, oh, there's going to be a storm coming. There were no dark clouds that appeared that were a little closer, and now they were either getting out of there or doing something. No, all of a sudden, a furious storm hits them. Now, they are professionals, and so they know what to do, and they try to gear the boat in a certain direction so that it's hitting those waves so it doesn't capsize. And they, I can envision, the, envision these guys there on the deck and probably sliding back and forth, trying to hold on, do what they need to do. But it came to a point where there was no more hope. And they said, this is it. And so these professional fishermen go to Jesus and say, save us. We are going to drown. We are going to drown. Do you know what they were saying that day? They were saying to Jesus, Jesus, you're going to drown. And you know something? The purpose of your coming to this earth isn't going to be accomplished. You are not going to be able to die on the cross for our sins. You're not going to be able to show us how to live because you are going to drown. That's what they said. 
Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever said to God, I'm drowning? There's no more hope. I'm on the verge of collapse. My life is on the brink of destruction. My car broke down. My finances are gone. I'm jobless. My boyfriend uh, dropped me. My husband abandoned me. My children are on drugs. Someone in this place this morning might be thinking, I want to commit suicide. Uh, Let me say this to you. Don't do it. Don't do it because God is able. You see, when Jesus got up, he looked over to the storm and he said, calm down now, calm down, calm down. And the storm calmed down because he's powerful, because he can change whatever the problem is. So let me ask you this. Could you not give evidence today that God has calmed a few storms in your life? All of us have had them. You've had them. And certainly you could say that. Could you not testify that God truly can meet every need that you have and everything that you deem important today? You know, uh, it bothers me that many Christians cannot give evidence to this truth. Uh, One of the reasons is that, you know, when people read the Bible, that's all they do. They read the Bible. It's just a book. You read it, it's over. You read these stories, you say, oh, that was a nice story. And you go to the next one, you don't stop to think about it. You don't stop to meditate on it. You don't stop to allow that story to enter into your being, into your soul, into your spirit so that you can absorb the truth. And all of a sudden you say, yes, this is true. God does work in this way. How we need to spend more time. Listen, you ought to read the Bible every day. That's what I do and try to do. If I miss, it's because something drastic happened, but I get into the Bible every day. You need to get into the Bible every day. But when you go to the Bible, just ask this simple question. God, would you speak to me? Would you just say something to me today? I'll tell you, it'll change the way you read. We can't read it as a book. You know, many times you've read and all of a sudden you say, oh, what did I just read? And you've read a whole page. Just go back. God, speak to me. And he'll do that. Now, God is able, and along with that truth that God is able, God is also powerful. You see, when God came to this earth in the form of his son, Christ, he really got involved in the lives of men, women, and children. And that in itself is a miracle. Do you realize that there are many gods in the world today? And uh, no God has a personal relationship with those that believe in him. I've been to countries where people are afraid of their God. And gods around the world are nothing more than wood or stone and people bow down to them. Or they perhaps are an imagination in somebody's mind. But you and I have the true God. And he's powerful. He is superior. And you know, his power shows us that he is able. Because the power of God is really right next to you. It's in front of you. It's behind you. And that's because his spirit is by your side. 
And the Bible shows us so many ways in which God really is powerful. For example, in Psalm 19.1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament announces His handiwork. So when you left your house today, if you opened the door and if you just sort of looked out at the expanse or you're in your car and you saw this, God was declaring and announcing to you his power. In uh, the book of Nahum, it says that the way of God is in the whirlwind and the storm. And then he goes on to say, and the clouds are the dust of God's feet. I love that verse because when I go out and I see the clouds now, I say, hey, Thank you, Lord. You've been walking around Houston and you just left the clouds. You left the dust of your feet right here for us to know that you've been here. You know, a lot of times you get depressed when you have clouds. You say, oh, I don't like these clouds. No, from now on, you need to rejoice and know that, hey, God walked by here. That's his power. He wants you to know that he is present. He has the power to give you eternal life. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't work for your salvation, but you can receive it. You know, one day Christ saved me from myself. He gave me eternal life. He has the power to do that for every single one of you, and he's done it for most of you who have trusted in him. And then he has the power to give you abundant life here on this earth. You see, abundant life means that you start loving God and seeing life from his point of view. You fall under his grace. He showers you with his favor and he motivates you to do what pleases him on a daily basis. That is a wonderful experience. And you just begin to see how God is working at all times in your life. God has the power to walk with you day by day and help you in the minimum details of your life. He has the power to hear your voice and to talk to you. And then he uses his power to assure you that you are a beautiful human being in whose life he is at work every single day. You just need to receive that. You see, many people are rejected when they're young and even when they're older. And they just assume that there's no value in their life. And yet the Bible says that God intricately designed each single one of you in your mother's womb. God was there at work because you are precious and because he is powerful. And it doesn't matter what people have done to us. It doesn't matter what they've said in the past. If you'll receive it, I want to tell you, you are special because you are of God. See, he uses that power to assure you of that, but you must receive it. And then he has the power over demons. And you know, um, in this passage here in Matthew 8, is an interesting situation. They had just been through this storm. And when he came to the other side, he's met by two men who have evil spirits inside of them, demons. Now, we don't talk much about this, I know, in the church. Um, but let me tell you what happened. These two men were babies at one time in their life. And after they were babies, they became children. And after children, they became teenagers. 
And after they were teenagers, they became adult. And during that period of time in their life, whatever it was, as teenagers or later, they started doing things that didn't please God. And little by little, they begin to yield their lives to an enemy that we call Satan, who has many demons that work for him. And they opened themselves to that, and these demons came into their life. And, you know, they played havoc with them. The people so hated these, these two men that they wouldn't let them stay in town. They had to go live in a cemetery. They were violent men. In another passage, a parallel passage in the book of Luke, it says that these men uh, were, uh, walked around naked. I mean, every evil you can think of was in these men's life. And so when Jesus arrives and these men come to him, what happened right there was that the demons started talking to Jesus. It wasn't the man, the men. They were using their voice. But they said, what do you want with us, son of God? And you see, that's what happens. Now, Jesus cast them out because he's able, because he's powerful. Later on, when the people came in that other text, it says that they found these men calm, dressed, and in their right mind. That's how Jesus transforms people. And let me say this. You know, I actually have a five-hour seminar on this subject of what the Bible teaches about demonology. But here's my ultimate conclusion to you. Stay away. In other words, don't watch these programs. The television and movie theaters today are full of movies and programs that talk about the demons. They're in them. And it's as if oh, it's just a little joke. It's not a joke. Don't go there. Don't watch these programs. Don't uh, have your palm read while you're on vacation just for fun. Don't go to a soothsayer. Don't do the Ouija board. Don't expose yourself to the occult. Because I'll tell you, it's not fun. And you suffer and you hurt. But Jesus has the power to cast them out. To get rid of them. He has the power. And he has the power to transform our life. He has the power to forgive us of our sins. The Bible says all of us have sinned. There's not a soul in this building today who has never sinned. You know, I've had my wonderful grandchildren in our house these days. They've never been taught to sin. But you know what? They're already demonstrating it. You know, it's so easy to start that fight. This is mine. This is mine. No, it's mine. No, it's mine. And you know, it's so easy to do that. We're all sinners. And Jesus came, died on the cross to pay for your sin and for my sin. And if we confess our sins, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, he has the power to reward your faithfulness in giving. I love to see people that give to God because they love him. Because the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will come into you. You know, God will bless you because you give to him. He has the power 
also to give you the power. So listen, he has the power to give you the power to help someone find him. There are people searching for God today and they don't know where to find him, but you do. And he's given you the power to help them. And he's even given you the power to become a disciple maker. You realize there are a lot of people who need to grow in the Christian life. They'd like to know how to do it. Uh, They even come, some are new Christians, some have been in the church for years, but they just don't know, how do I grow? How do I get there? God has given you the power to become a disciple maker. Because the Bible says, all power has been given me in heaven and on earth, Jesus said. And so I just think, imagine living with joy and under grace with the God that has this power. He's able. He is able. You know, in Psalm 73, there was a young man named Asaph. Now, Asaph was a choir leader in Israel. He uh, was in church every Sabbath. Uh, He was up on the platform. He saw everyone that came and went, and he saw this happen for years, and he wrote a song. And when he wrote this psalm, he said, you know, I even know who the wicked are. I know who the rich and the poor are. I know who the wicked are. I know who the just are. And he began to look at, especially at those that he considered the wicked ones. And he said, what kind of life are they living? He says, well, you know, they seem to be healthy. I don't see any problems in their life. Uh, They're proud. They have cold hearts. Uh, They would even say heaven is mine. They do things that are wrong, but they say, well, God doesn't see us. Uh, Asaph, he just couldn't understand that. I mean, he's in church every Sunday. He said, how can that be? Then he began to think about his own life. He says, you know, really, I'm a nice guy. I mean, I come to church every week. I, you know, I lead the music. I'm good to my friends. I sing. I've trusted God. But I don't have what all these other people seem to have. So he was confused about that. And sometimes you get confused about that. And he thought, I think I'm going to just drop out. You ever thought about that? I'm just going to drop out. A lot of people drop out. But then something happened. It's a very interesting verse. He says, you know, when I tried to understand all of this stuff, it's too hard for me. It's too oppressive to me. But then here's what the next verse says. Until... I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. You see, something happened. He entered in the sanctuary. That means all of a sudden he had an encounter with God. Now, he had been in church for years. But now, what happened? He had an encounter with God. Just coming to this building doesn't do it. We must have an encounter with God. And when he had an encounter with God, then the Bible says, uh, then I understood. Then I understood what happened. Because these people, listen, they're here one day, they're gone the next. They're on slippery ground. The wicked come to ruin. They're destroyed. They're swept away. They're terrorized, he said. So I'm going to ask you, have you ever entered the sanctuary of God? Have you had an encounter with him? That is powerful. Have you met Jesus Christ? You know, God has placed in every single one of us a space for himself. He wants to live there. He wants to reign in your life. He wants to be the boss. Because when he is in control, 
there is peace and there is joy and there is understanding. And so the problem is that many people say, no, I'm not going to open my life to Christ. Now, there's a space there. A lot of people don't even understand they have that space, but they know it's there and they're trying to fill it with something. You've seen it happen, whether it's at your work, whether it's at your school, even in your home. People are trying to fill that space with something that will give them peace, that will give them joy, that will give them some meaning to life. Remember, Jesus said, behold, I sent the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. Where will he come in? Into that space for himself that he's placed there before the beginning of time. And you know what? If you'll open your door and let Jesus come into that space, he'll give you real joy rather than false happiness for the moment. He'll give you kindness to rule your heart rather than the desire to get even with someone. If you will open that, you'll receive wisdom from above rather than just intelligence from this earth. But ultimately, you will receive the guarantee of eternal life, eternal life. That's what will happen. You'll have life forever beginning now and then with God day by day for eternity. So now listen, if Christ has already filled that space in your life, rejoice. Leave here today glad that he's in there. But if he's not, this is your day and this is your hour. You know, in just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And while we're singing this song, I'm going to be here in front. And if you're here today and you have come to realize that you've never given that space to Christ, that he's not in your life yet, I want to invite you to come forward, come right here and say to me, hey, I want Christ in my life. I want to give myself to him. I'll pray with you. You can receive Jesus Christ as your savior. He'll come in and you'll have eternal life. There are others of you here. You've been to Tallawood for years. But, you know, you've just never sit, taken that ultimate step and be, to be part of this group, of this congregation. We'd love for you to be a part of us. You could come and join our church in any way that we receive members. If you're already a believer, then, and you've never been baptized by immersion, then we do that. You could come and say, I want to be baptized, really to show that I'm really following Christ. There are others here that uh, you can come by your statement of your faith. I am a believer, I have been baptized, and I want to be part of this congregation. So while we sing today, would you just do that? I'm going to be here in front, and you can just come and give your life to Christ. It'll be a wonderful time for all of us. So let's stand together right now, and uh, we'll be singing. And as we sing, then you make that commitment to Christ.